Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us, and I'm very excited to hear what it's about. So do you want to share quickly what you're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so this article is about a concept called decent work, which is basically work that meets your needs, means you get enough money, you have some security, um, prospect for personal development, you know, it's basically like a good job, a decent job, right? <laughs> you would say it would be a decent yeah. job. Um, so it's about decent work and how that leads to better health outcomes. Awesome. That's very exciting. Yes. I really like that concept of decent work and I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but I feel like that's like near and dear to me, the idea, because um, that there's been so much more public conversation lately about decent work being something important. And I feel like this is a really timely conversation that people should be thinking about for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, we talk about minimum wages all the time, right? That's a big conversation happening right now. And that is definitely tied to this concept of decent work. So I think it is a hot topic. I didn't pick it intentionally thinking it was going to be a hot topic. Um, but as I right. started reading, I was like, oh man, this is a really good, this is a good paper. I'm very excited about it. It's awesome. That's very exciting. Well, I am excited to hear about it. Um, in the meantime, how are you doing? How was your day? I know you had an exciting day today. Yes, I had a pretty big day today. Um, for those listeners that do not know, um, I started a new job. So, you know, my full-time gig has changed. Um, so, yeah, day one. Today was day one. And I feel a little bit tired, um, but excited and energized. And I think it's going to be quite a wild ride. Um, yeah, but I'm feeling good. And I know you it's also exciting. had an exciting day because you just submitted a big paper, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So last night at 11.55 p.m., <laughs> I <laughs> I submitted it. And um, yeah, it was it was very I have been working on this paper for five years. Oh, my gosh. Five <laughs> years. That's so long. I know. It's older than worker so, being. <laughs> I know. So that's why, you know, when I send it in, I'm like so crazed about making sure it's good because like if it's not good you have to like start over at a new journal and I don't want to do that um so I yeah because it's been under a review the study itself took three years to get the data and write up and then it's been under review now for like almost two years so I don't want to start another like two year long process of this that would be terrible so I'm confident yeah. things will go well for you and we'll be talking about it. I hope so. As, yeah, ah. you're going to have to talk about it as an episode one day. So, yeah, if it gets if it gets in, we will have an episode on it. It's about hope. Hope. So it's a topic that we've talked about before. <laughs> we have. It's a good topic. Definitely a good yes. topic. We're talking about hope, yes. psychological capital, all the things yes. we love. Um, yes. Yeah. Super exciting. Yes. So, yes, it's been a big few days for us. I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like this weekend we should really, like, try to take some time to celebrate ourselves or something. Yeah, definitely. Take, like, a nice breather and 
yeah. celebrate. I mean, I, I can't complain. I didn't have like a crazy weekend like you did. I actually took, um well, I didn't take a lot of time between jobs, but I did take Friday off. So I had a three-day weekend. <laughs> wow. What did you do with all that spare time? So much spare time. <laughs> and I have to say that like a big chunk of it was setting everything up. Like I got... um a second desk and I made like an L shape. So I have like a much bigger working space between my two setups. So I have like my worker being computer and monitor. And then I have my other company's monitor and computer. And so I have them on each different desks. So I've got like all this space. I'm like super excited about it, but I did end up spending like a good chunk of my weekend, like organizing myself. So it wasn't (laughs) necessarily super relaxing, but It makes me feel better uh, that it's all funny. organized. You know that I love yes. that. <laughs> yes. Organization. Well, and just a space like we talk about that in our um, or like, you know, when we do our retreat and stuff, when um, if any of you have ever been to our retreat or um, if you plan to come to your retreat, our retreat, part of what we do is like encourage people to make their space nice. And I was actually doing that um, while I was working on my paper. I just feel better about like getting into the mode of like, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm like, what, you know, I don't know. I feel better Mm -hmm. when I have like my little diffuser with my oils and I know you light a candle. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I also do the same thing. Um, Although the more I've been lighting candles, I feel like I've been like a person that has like accumulated candles and had them as decorations, but not lit them as much. (laughs) And as I'm lighting them more, I'm realizing some candles really go away fast they do they do yeah I I have a little diffuser too and I've been wanting to like start doing that as well because I do like the scent but the can because the candles go away so fast yeah but um but I've been scared because Nittany like I know that there's some scents you can't use with pets and I didn't know that when I first got it and so I had one and she was kind of like I could tell she hated it and then I mm. turned it off and I haven't really done enough research to figure out exactly what oils I'm allowed to use to not affect her. And given that she's kind of sick, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to not do it right now. And we'll wait till, you know, one day when I figure it out better. So for now, well, candles it is. I don't know about cats, but I know from my experiences that the dog can be near frankincense cinnamon so no or oregano um and and any like citrus oil Mm -hmm. um the dog's fine with all those i have not tried anything in the like peppermint eucalyptusy type realm yeah i think mint is a bad one yeah um I don't know about the others, but yeah, I know. And there's like some differences between cats and dogs and cats apparently are like extra sensitive to it. Gotcha. Um, from what I read. So I just need to be really careful and I'm just not really willing to do all the research to make sure given her situation. Um, so I'm just going to, I've actually been diffusing it with just water, like using my diffuser because it's almost like a little mini humidifier yeah. in the room. So that's what I've yeah. been doing instead. I think that is lovely yeah all the different like little things and then um I got like a um clock that plays sounds and I also have the headspace soundscapes so it just depends Mm -hmm. on how like immersive I want the sounds to be like if I really want to be like in the zone of the sounds I'll use the headspace one 
um, because they're like a little bit more whatever. But this other one just sort of sounds like a nice little birds and like a little breeze or whatever. And you can just put it on the background quiet and it just makes like a little nice sound. So I've been trying to like, you know, set up the environment a little bit more. So I do understand that like, you know, getting your space right for your new job would be a big deal. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, I love, I love the sound thing. I love the sounds too, but I think it's also to your point, like I, the space makes a big difference and it's also weird to start a job remotely when I've been working remotely and I've, this job was going to be remote regardless, but you know, when I first started my last job, which is also remote, I went, I flew to the office to meet people and do my onboarding. And I'm assuming that would have happened here too. Um, Mm -hmm. but it didn't happen. So then I basically just woke up on Monday or today and I was just like, Hey, it's, it's my new job day, but I'm going to the same office that I've been going to for years. (laughs) So it felt a little weird. Um, and so part of changing the space actually made it feel like I was going to a new job. That's a good idea. I didn't really think about that, but yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it is strange to start a new job. Brendan did the same thing. Um, he started a new job since we've been pandemic. So he like, doesn't know anybody, you know, like he's Mm -hmm. like just met people based on work stuff, but he's never like met them in person or he doesn't really know anything about anybody. You know what I mean? Cause he's just like kind of do doing his job. Um, which I'm sure you'll get to know people. He's like so much more introverted. Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, it is kind of an odd thing to be starting during this time period where you're like, who are you? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's weird, but eventually hopefully we'll be able to travel again and I can meet people in person. Yeah. Um, but I will say that it is a very good job and I'm really excited about it. So kind of moving to the decent work approach. My last Yay. job, was, my last job was great too. So I shouldn't say that the, yes. like I'm suddenly going to decent work. I had decent work and now I'm going to even more decent work. If you will, you've been decent for a long time. <laughs> Trying to figure out a clever transition, but clearly <laughs> not so great. You did a good job. I liked it. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so tell us about decent work. Yes. So this article is brand new. It was published uh, this year in 2021 in the Journal of Vocational Behavior. Um, It's called Decent Work and Physical Health, a Multi-Wave Investigation. Um, And it was written by Duffy, Prieto, Kim, Rack, Bogdan, and Duffy. A lot of people involved. Really interesting study. And so what it looks at is it looks at this idea of decent work, which we've already talked a little bit about that. But just to kind of give a definition, so the first time decent work was defined, it was defined by the International Labor Organization. And Mm. um, it was, I'll just read the quote. It's um, opportunities for work that is productive and delivers a fair income, security in the workplace, and social protection for families, better prospects for personal development and social integration, freedom for people to express their concerns, Organize and participate in the decisions that affect their lives and equality of opportunity and treatment for all women and men. Um, Love it. Yeah. I would probably. That sounds delightful. I don't necessarily like the way that ends with all women and men and maybe not. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I agree. um, agree. Good call. But other than that, I like the idea of it. um, Obviously, you know, it's all about having your work meet your needs. Um, 
So there's a couple of different ways that they've talked about it too. So just to like think about it, the concept a little bit more. Um, they say that work that is decent um, is defined in part by whether or not your compensation is adequate um, to give you time for non-work activities. Hmm. So that means, you know, you only have to have one job instead of six jobs to try to make ends right. meet. Right. Yep. Um, yes. So that's a big piece of it too. And it's all related and tied into this concept, this theory that this paper is all based on, which is called the psychology of working theory. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the theory that when people get decent work, it leads to more uh, work-related and general well-being because their basic needs are met. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're based- so if you're oh, working in a job that you are, you know, feeling like you can get what you need to live a decent life from one job instead of having to piecemeal together multiple ways of making that come to fruition, your well-being is higher. Exactly. Yep. And so in this theory, they talk about both life satisfaction and physical health. Um, and they talk about the different types of needs that need to be met. So just to kind of give you a sense as to what they're referring to. So if you have decent work, the types of needs that are met are survival needs. So that's like the super basic stuff, like access to food, shelter, so being able to pay your rent and have a home. Um, Hmm. Then they talk about social contribution. So it's basically, you know, people have a need to feel like their work is useful, right? You don't want to be doing a job that's just... Most people don't want to be doing a job that's just very rote, like having that need to feel like you're making an impact and whether it's, you know, socially, societally, or just even within the organization, just wanting to have that need of, you know, having your contribution matter that's met. Um, And the final piece is that self-determination. So that need, that's really where a person's needs of things like autonomy, feeling competent, and um, relatedness in the workplace. So having good relationships at work. And we've talked about that concept before, but those are all kind of tied into this broader theory. That's cool. Yeah. So you need both economic and social characteristics of the job to support kind of your wellness. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Yes. Awesome. That makes sense. Yeah. So this is, um, so this study, what it really looks at is it wants to understand how decent work impacts health. Specifically, they looked at general health. So just generally how healthy, um, you are, the, the types of questions around general health or, um, you know, would you say basically just, would you say your health is poor, fair, good, very good, excellent. Um, Mm -hmm. and then comparing your health to other people your age, if you think your physical health is better or worse than, um, people your age. So they looked at general health. They looked at health symptoms. So things like basically just checking the box of whether or not you had these symptoms in the past month, then it's things like back pain, shortness of breath, trouble sleeping, chest pain. Um, And then they also looked at healthy behaviors. So basically seeing if having decent work impacts whether or not people do things that are good for them, like eating fruit or exercising for at least 30 minutes, um, you know, each day or whatever that looks like. So they had a bunch of questions on that too. So those are the the three kind of outcomes that they're trying to predict that they want to see if decent work impacts. And I would imagine that if in order to make ends meet financially, you have to work three different jobs, 
which was the case. Um, and I remember this uh, so clearly because our students just had no idea um, when I worked at Villanova, many of the staff there that clean the offices and classrooms leave their jobs when Villanova closes and go to overnight jobs where they clean office buildings overnight or they would have other types of overnight work that they would do and they would basically be getting like a few hours of sleep a night and then come back into Villanova and clean. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling our students that, you know, when we have these conversations about wages or we have conversations about people who qualify for government assistance, for example, like most of those individuals are working. It's just that they're not making enough when they're working to pay their bills in a way that's reasonable to live in today's economy. And, um, and so I think that, you know, it would be very unlikely if you're working in all three of, if you're working in three jobs to try to make ends meet that you're going to come home and be like, you know what, I think I'm going (laughs) to go exercise for 30 (laughs) minutes. Like that's very unlikely. Right. So people don't have time to do basic health behaviors when their life is basically overtaken by the need to work because of the economics associated with the type of job they do. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you, I can't even imagine exercising when I have like an exhausting eight hours of work. Right. You know, exactly. it's sometimes yeah. you're just like, Oh, it's been such a long day. I can't possibly. And then if you have to work two jobs, like it's a lot. Um, yeah. And the same goes with healthy eating. If you don't have the time to prepare good meals for yourself or go to the grocery store. Um, also the wages to pay for fresh foods. We know that those are more expensive. Um, then people are not going to be participating in those behaviors. So yeah. So those are the three main health outcomes they looked at. Um, so things to know about the methods of the study is they, they had people take three different surveys over a two month period. So the first survey was really around, whether or not this person has decent work. So ask, there's a specific scale. It's called the decent work scale um, that they just measured whether or not people had five of these decent work components. So the components that are included are safe working conditions, access to Mm health care, adequate compensation, free time for rest, and then an organizational and societal value match. So matching your values too. Hmm. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so they measured those. And then in time two, they asked people if their needs, their survival needs were met. So they specifically were looking at survival needs in this study. Um, so that includes questions like, my work allows me to have the resources to provide nutritious food for myself and my family. Um, my work allows me to have the resources to pay for utilities, such as water, heating, and electric on time. Um, so that's about the survival needs. And then the third thing they measured, or the second thing they measured during that second wave of questions was about work fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, So just checking in to see if people are fatigued by their work, both physically, mentally, and also emotionally. Um, So asking questions like in the last month, did they feel physically drained at the end of the workday, feel mentally worn out, want to emotionally shut down, things like that. Yeah. Um, So that was in time two. So kind of putting this together, there's what they're looking at is seeing does decent work impact survival needs and their work fatigue? And then do those things then impact health? Gotcha. Okay. So that's kind of okay. the big model, if you will. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to hear what they find. Um, it's interesting that, you know, we're thinking about um, not just, you know, the 
impact of the wages itself, but also the impact on health. Because as we talked about last week, the, well, the links between health and wealth are very strong, but also individuals that find themselves in these jobs may be doing more physical labor as part of the job because that, you know, more jobs like that fall into this category. But also we talked last week about emotional labor and you have more emotional labor when you are in a job that requires you to deal with the public more frequently or, um, you know, in which people express dissatisfaction or conflict towards you, which could be more likely to happen in jobs that people perceive as being lower status. Um, so there could be a lot of different things that are compounding, but I think it's interesting that it's not looking just at your access to material stuff, but also your health from a variety of aspects, because I would imagine that like having these kinds of jobs is comorbid with other types of things that make jobs difficult. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that is what they find. So um, okay, cool. spoiler alert, if we're going to the findings, they found that decent work. So if you have decent work, you're less likely to experience work fatigue, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? You're more likely to, um, you know, have time to rest, recover, and therefore you're not as exhausted. Yeah. Decent work was also related to survival needs. So if you had decent work, you can pay for food, you can... um make sure that the bills are paid so your utilities are on, all that good stuff. So basically, that's already a huge finding, right? Just having decent work yeah. can really help you. Yeah. Decent work also directly ap- affected physical health. So hmm. they, you know, anticipated that you have to, like, if that leads to more work fatigue, then it leads to lower uh, physical health which it did but it also was directly impacting it so like just from a, the the nerd perspective there are like two ways that decent work impacts your physical health um, which mm-hmm. is that that overall health the the questions that are basically like I you know my health is pretty good or it's not and compared to other people my age if it's good or not just having decent work means you're more likely to feel like your physical health is good hmm that's um, awesome. Yeah. So that's like huge, right? Just having this work can really lead to that important outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Did they talk at all about um, the amount of physical activity that's on the job wearing on people over time? Or did they not ask questions about how much physical labor people did on the job? They did not. Um, I mean, they did ask questions about, yeah, physical activity just from a healthy behaviors perspective, but not on the job necessarily. Gotcha. Yeah, because I'd be curious to see, um, you know, my just because, uh, you know, it's not a job that didn't have decent work. But, you know, my dad was a stonemason when we were growing up and the amount of physical like if you were uh, somebody who was working as like an assistant to a stonemason, for example, that would probably fall into the category of people who are making potentially less than a living wage. And so that work is so physically intensive that over time it really or jobs where you're like on your feet all day cleaning like you know mm-hmm. things like that where you have a, a strong physical component to your job might compound over time to create more health issues as well and like office jobs while sitting is also a health risk it's <laughs> not the same as like constantly straining your body in those ways yeah that's a really good point um, they did look at things like social class and income to control for that type of stuff, but they did not mm-hmm. uh, look at the physical labor side, which I think would be a great extension to this study. Um, yeah, that's cool. Is though. figuring that out. Yeah. 
But yeah, so decent work, again, leads to lower work fatigue, higher um, attainment of survival needs, and better physical health. Um, And then if you look kind of further into the pathways here, when you have um, better work, more decent work, and then you have lower work fatigue, that actually also leads to not only lower or better health, but it also leads mm-hmm. to fewer health symptoms. So the things where people are com- you know, able to indicate how often they maybe had a back pain during the, the month or chest pain or stomach issues or anything like that. Um, yeah. So work fatigue basically causes health symptoms and makes you feel worse. And so mm. with decent work, you're able to overcome that work fatigue and therefore you're able to help reduce those symptoms. Gotcha. That's really interesting. So there is something to the idea that whatever is happening on these jobs, it's more tiring. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. And that's what's sort of explaining this. Yep. Exactly. And then the final piece, but work fatigue was not related at all to healthy behaviors, Hmm. but survival needs were. So if you have a decent job that meets your needs, AKA it helps you pay for the things you need. You're much right. more likely to participate in those healthy behaviors. So now you have more time so you can exercise, you can go to the grocery yeah. store, get fresh foods, um, all of that. So there's like a very important relationship there where you have to have that decent work to then meet your survival needs, which then leads you to do more of these health behaviors. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. So Basically, the argument would be that if we really want, as I'm sure people would vocalize support for, if we really want to have a world where people have an equal opportunity at being healthy and being able to not only experience greater health, which I'm sure is linked to like longevity and things like that, but also be able to take steps to support their own health that we need to all be in the business of trying to understand how to make jobs more decent. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those are the big takeaways, basically what you just described. Um, In the study, they talked about how, you know, there's a couple of things that workplaces need to do. So one, it's how can you provide decent work to reduce things like work fatigue Um, But then also, how can you think about the structure of your jobs and um, and make sure that your decent work is also helping improve survival needs? Right. So thinking Mm -hmm. about the workplace conditions, which means thinking about pay in particular, um, pay, stability, all of those things so that people can get their needs met in that one job and not have to do a million jobs to right. to try to make ends meet and then really have a bad impact on their overall health. And if you think about it, this study did not look at performance, but if you have to make an argument to a very performance-driven organization, if your employees are just not functioning well, they can't make ends meet, they're not able to right. do any of the things to take care of their health, they're eventually going to have severe health issues, which means they're not going to be able to work for you anymore. So right. That's also an important piece to think about, too. Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, a lot of people say they're very family focused and family oriented, but that doesn't mean just being family focused and family oriented on your own family. It means caring about the health and well-being of all kinds of families and and not and looking outside your own. And I think that if people are 
thinking about it that way, instead of thinking about it just around their own family, it would become clear that if we want to support healthy, happy families, we need to find a way to make people's jobs actually align with that goal, um, Mm -hmm. which we are not currently doing for a large percentage of families that, you know, it's not right that you should have to work multiple jobs in order to be able to make ends meet because of the type of job that you do. And also a lot of the jobs that we're talking about are jobs that during the, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, we were like, these are essential workers. Thank you for doing these jobs that we need to keep things going and get food to people and deliveries and, you know, make sure that hospitals are clean. And, you know, there's all kinds of folks that are in this boat that are doing these jobs that we consider essential, but yet we don't consider them essential enough to actually allow them to make a living wage doing them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's just, it's such a shame to, to put all these messages out there about how much we care about essential workers, but then not actually care about essential workers um, right. since we don't want to give them decent work. And I think, yeah, I think this study, I mean, it comes, it couldn't come out at a better time in my opinion because of this conversation around essential work. Um, you know, I know that there are, I mean, there are grocery stores in Southern California, two of them that have closed a couple of locations because in Southern California, you have to now, or in California, I think in general, there's like a, I forgot what they're calling it, like hero pay or something, Mm -hmm. some silly name, but it's like $4 an hour more or something like that, that people need to pay these essential workers right now. And, um, there are grocery stores that have literally just like, we're going to close instead of pay them. And Mm. yet the, I was reading this article that was talking about how those same grocery stores have actually hit more higher profit numbers than they've have in the past 10 years. And yet wow. they're going to close the stores. Um, so I think we just need to, as a society in general, reevaluate what matters to us. And if decent work is something that we need to do to address health issues, um, health concerns, and make sure that our employees are able to, you know, live a life outside of work, I think we really need to address things like that, like minimum wage, pay, all the good stuff. I completely agree. And I don't want to go too far afield here um, in terms of talking about this. But if anyone's interested in this topic, there's a group of researchers. I know one of them uh, is Michael Norton, who's in Harvard um, Business School. And I used to, when I taught a class on psychology of gender, because we just had more time to unpack Um, different aspects of things do a whole lecture on this using his data but I don't do it in my class anymore because my class has a different focus but everyone always really liked this lecture which basically asked a very large representative sample of people in America from all different political parties all across the spectrum what they think the wage gap should be between CEOs and the average employee so they asked them like ideally how much of a gap do you think there should be? And then they said, how much do you think a CEO of a company, how much longer do you think a CEO of a company and their family should live than the average employee and their family? (laughs) And so they use this data 
based on the connection between health and wealth to actually demonstrate what this looks like. And what they found was that there were differences in political party in terms of how much the ratio should be between CEO and average employee. And there were differences in political party in terms of um, how much longer they think people should live if they're rich versus if they're poor. But the differences are like pretty small and the reality of how many times the CEO pays of the average employee pay and the stark difference between the average employee's lifespan and someone who has more wealth lifespan, nobody actually wants that. So nobody reported that the current state today is actually what they want. Everybody reported that they want a smaller gap than what actually is and that they want health and wealth to be much less related than they actually are. But the problem is that nobody's aware of the actual current state of things. Mm -hmm. So people like think that they're fight Like when people are like, we need more of this, like, or they fight to cut back on those kinds of things. There's a lack of recognition that we're already so far afield from what anybody wants <laughs> that like, we're not even arguing over anything. We're actually all should be trying to argue to, to, to decrease the gap and provide better healthcare because actually that's what everybody wants. But it, so it's a really fascinating set of studies that basically show that it's just that nobody really knows what's actually happening. That's causing like all of this. That doesn't surprise me. I feel like that's yeah. pretty I mean, no one. Yeah, I think even the most um, progressive people probably have no idea as to how big the gap actually is because yeah. we don't really look at those numbers. We're not really confronted with the numbers that often. Um, yeah. So I think I don't know. I think it's really that's an important note. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a really good indicator that it's not just about like political preference or values or what have you. Um, I think generally speaking, everybody wants people to be able to live healthy, long lives. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about how we can do that effectively, how we can make jobs um, better so that everyone can do it. And, you know, I often hear um people say things like well then that those people should just start working you know get an education or do whatever and move to a different type of job but then who's going to do the job that they're who does that job yeah and it's not easy to do that either people completely underestimate the barriers that are associated with doing that completely yeah but yeah i agree with you yeah yeah because you still have to think about who is going to do that job like you still need someone at your grocery store to stock the shelves like, you're not going to just magically have them stocked. I mean, maybe one day robots will do it, but that's not happening right, right now. Right, right, um, right, Yeah, so I think we just need to be a little bit more cognizant of uh, the situation that people are in. And I yeah. think everyone can agree that we want people to be able to have decent jobs. Um, yeah. And so that means, yeah, figuring out what that me- looks like. Um, I think we can we can find that middle ground. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully organizations can start making some changes into this. And I think this type of study is like a good first step for people to really open their eyes and see, okay, well, what happens if we don't have decent work? Yeah. Um, So I thought it was a great study. I'm really happy that you brought it up. It's a really great topic, super important. And um, I know right now there's a push to uh, raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, There's a lot of, uh, you know, folks who are, on board with that and um 
you know, we've been working with this like local pizza, very quickly growing local pizza company around in the D.C. area. That's now also in New York and Pennsylvania, whatever. But they've been really big in the fight for um, $15 minimum wage. And the interesting thing is that they have the highest profit margins of any pizza store like around. So they're making a lot more money than everyone else and they're paying their employees and they all have health care and they're like look like you know maybe you're not making money because your pizza sucks (laughs) (laughs) might be one piece (laughs) yeah and so they're kind of like why don't you think about how to do what you do better so you can pay people better instead of just saying it's impossible to do like it's not impossible to do um so it's been cool yeah, I mean, just think about that though. What you just said, their pizza sucks. Why does their pizza suck? Their people are exhausted and can't able to and aren't able to make their pizza. Or they and don't the ingredients care. are like not well, even. Yes, that's a whole other <laughs> thing we could get into. They don't even have to publish the ingredients because uh, pizza is not a food by law. What? Okay, I don't want to talk about that. That is freaking me out. <laughs> Ew, no, 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 no. I don't like that. <laughs> big pizza. I've been learning so much about big pizza, and it's really scary. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never eating that again. Like it's, it's like uh, a pizza is a meal and you don't have to publish nutrition facts or ingredients apparently for a meal only for something that's an individual serving. Oh, uh. it's all crazy. So like nobody knows what's even in there and you don't know how, what the nutrition facts are. Like you cannot find them. You won't find them. Okay, so, well, it sounds like <laughs> Big Pizza has a lot of other problems. Um, Clearly not caring about health of, on many directions yeah. and angles. Oh, I just never thought we'd be talking about Big Pizza. But no, like me either. Fun. I never thought I would learn so much about Big Pizza, but I'm all in. I know a lot about Big Pizza now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I want to get to the ingredients part. I was going to just no. say that employees that you know are not being paid enough or maybe have to have multiple jobs like I'm assuming they're coming in exhausted um, yeah they don't even care as much about the job because they have other things to worry about this is just they show up and do what they have to do right and therefore exactly. they're not gonna put the love into the yeah. nasty ingredients but hopefully good ingredients <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's like what what's a special ingredient in your cake right you always say oh love well you need your employees yeah. to like sort of like what they're doing so they can make yeah, a better product right. too yeah, got to put some love in there and uh, maybe it'll cancel out sawdust or whatever else is in there. I'm not sure, but um, yep, yep, yep. Um, but anyway, well, I'm really glad you read this. I think it's super important. I'm glad that we all had an opportunity to think about these things. And if you are a person who um, has the power to rethink jobs to be decent, you know, people's health is on the line. People's families are on the line. People's ability to like, not fall into poverty to be able to pay their bills and who are working hard and deserve to at least be able to make ends meet and have time to go for a run every now and again you know like Mm -hmm. that should be a pretty low bar for us to achieve as a society for people that we depend on all the time um so I'm really glad that you found this article it's super important and thank you yeah, of course. Um, we'd love to hear from all of our listeners, too. If you have any thoughts, questions, examples, we'd love to hear them. So you can always find us um, on our website, which is workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. Um, and you can also find us on social. So we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at workerbeing. And finally, 
Um, we just wanted to remind you all that we have our courses online as well. So if you're dealing with a lot of stress, maybe you aren't in a position to make work more decent, but want some help on how to reduce some of your stress, uh, you can find our free class and she'll be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.